Welcome to Shooting the Breeze, and joining us today, it's Shelley Gorman. Shelley, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Paul. It's our pleasure. It's it's great to be able to talk to you in the second of our podcast with past Flames players. Now, for some of the listeners who may not know you or may not know some of the history of the Flames, you played in the team back in the 90s. You were part of the team that won the championships back then as well. Yeah, that's correct. I came to the Flames in 93 and that was the first year that we won the championship. So I came up, was recruited by the coach, the amazing Carrie Graff. And in that year, we won the first championship. So it was it was incredible. That was a pretty tight game, if I remember. I think it was like one or two points in it. Yeah, it's such a long time ago. <laughs> I, what I do remember is the feeling that of um, of winning that championship, being in Sydney and just the way they ran it. Like for me, it was amazing because I just felt like I was playing as a professional, and you know, just it just felt so good to have that mindset of being able to play as a professional and you know have our own training court. We got to we had a gym that we could work out from, and you know, got to train twice a day and um, just. You you know, do exactly what I wanted to do at that time in my life. So, yes, it was amazing times. Now, if I remember right, I'm, I'm trusting my memory here, The <laughs> in those days the Kings and the Flames had a facility around Alexandria? Yeah, yeah, that's it, on O'Reardon Street yeah. above a golf shop or something like that. But, yeah, <laughs> we had the training court there and we had – um, you could, we could work out alongside they had some exercise equipment and there was another gym that we could use as well and we wanted to do our weights. But we could go down there and it, it was free to shoot around during the day, do some individuals, you know, play some one-on-one, two-on-two, whoever was there. It was such a such a good time. And you represented Australia as well before you came to the Flames at Seoul. Yeah, yeah, just a little youngster back then. So I went to Seoul. Um, I was about, I think it was 19. And also, again, you know, just amazing. Like, <laughs> it's hard, sort of really hard to explain. I've been to three Olympics and each one is so different because, you know, it's like your first one is really, it's just overwhelming. You know, there's just the athletes' village and the games and everything and just so many people and it was um, that was the first time, you know, we'd ever beaten Russia. It was actually the USSR back then, and that was the first time we'd ever beaten them. So, um, and then we lost to Yugoslavia in the quarterfinal. So, yeah, to go off to play in the for the gold. So we just lost it by a few points to them. So, yeah, it was amazing. We spoke with with Annie Lafer a few weeks ago, and she was saying it was an amazing feeling getting the silver on home soil for the 2000 Olympics. How was that for you? Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. Everyone has their story. Uh, it was such a that was such an amazing time. Like I think if anyone was even just in Sydney then at the Olympics, that was just such an incredible time. But to stand on the dais in front of you know our home country was just a that was an amazing experience. And for me, it was really special because two years before that, I'd actually been dropped from the team and pretty much was told that I would never play for Australia again. Like, I, you know, my time was up. I was done. But in my heart, I wasn't. And, you know, I just did everything that I could 
to get back on the team. And I ended up making it again and being a part of that campaign. And, you know, we had such a such an awesome team and, and I was so happy that I made the decision to keep trying to make that team again because to be a part of that in here in Sydney at that time was just sensational. I think that, that women's basketball got a boost out of the Sydney Olympics and out of that result. What sort of effect did it have on the on basketball and women's basketball particularly? Yeah, look, to be honest, I actually think it really started back before that from when Sydney held the 94 World Championships. And I think that was really when Sydney did such an, a, a wonderful job of creating a lot of, you know, publicity and people came to the games and there was a lot of excitement. And I think that was where the boost really started. And then in 96, we won our first medal at the Atlanta Olympics where we won the bronze medal. And I think it sort of continued on from there. And obviously then we have the incredible Lauren Jackson as part of the 2000 Olympics. Michelle Timms is, you know, she's still, she was still kicking along as well and um, it really had to have those two incredible personalities and Lauren you know in my mind is the, the best women's basketballer has ever played it really gave basketball that extra boost and kept it going for a bit. Recently we spoke with Paul Smith the new owner of the Flames and he mentioned that he sees the upcoming Women's World Cup as a chance to restart women's basketball in Australia. Do you think it's going to have that sort of an effect? Oh, absolutely. We've got the talent. You know, There's the, the players are so good. They're so athletic. They're so exciting to watch. And, and I know Sydney's done it before and they can do it again, you know, create an amazing event here for women's basketball. And I think that, you know, it can really give it the lift that it needs. It does. It needs to be reignited and people will be excited about it if it's in their faces. They've just got to see it. And if they come to see it, they'll, you know, they'll be blown away by the talent of these kids today. I agree. There's just an astounding amount of talent out there playing, not only in the WNBL, but also things like Waratah, NBL1, QBL. But obviously, this is going to give them a chance to be able to be seen on the world stage. Yeah. I think there's a real opportunity here as well for basketball to be able to look back at the victories and the successes that it's had in the past as part of this World Cup. Do you think that there's an opportunity to help to educate and reconnect people who might have drifted away from basketball by trying to highlight, hey, don't forget there's this great group of people that have played in the past that have helped to get basketball to where it is? Yeah, absolutely, because there's a reason the players are where they are today. It's because of everyone who's gone before them. You know, it's like for for me, when I started, I was able to do that because of everyone, the players that had gone before me. And, you know, I feel like I was so blessed to be in that era because of the women that I was surrounded by and, you know, just by being in their presence made me better and just the way they play and the way I think that Australians play is that, you know, we play hard and, you know, we put it all on the line and I, I think the history of the game is really important to take it further and I think Sydney will do that. I think that they will bring the past players and they'll run a, a great event. One of the things I suppose that some of the listeners may not be really aware of is what you've been doing post-basketball. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on what you've been up to? 
Yeah, sure. So I'm a personal trainer and health coach. And I run a business with my partner. We're called Urban Warriors. We help people transform their bodies and empower their minds. So it's through exercise, nutrition and mindset. You know, so people can come and see us either face to face or in the gym or online. So we give different options. Yeah, we just really try and help people to find their healthiest, happiest versions of themselves. That sounds great. How did you make that transition from player to personal coach? You know, it took a while. As I mentioned before, I think everybody's got a story. Everyone's story is different. And for me, when when I was playing basketball, that's all I did. I didn't study and I didn't have other jobs. I just played basketball. So my whole focus was everything was just basketball, basketball, basketball. And then when I retired, I guess I was a little bit lost trying to find my way, like what's next? Is there anything? And the thing that I did love, though, when I was playing basketball was fitness. Was My fitness was very important to me. So I thought I'd, I'd just try that pathway through personal training and really enjoyed it. And then that has grown into coaching and then creating a business with my partner. It's an interesting question. Do you think that sports can help players more in terms of transitioning from playing to a post-playing career? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think there are programs out there now because there was an absolute necessity for it. It's hard for athletes to ask for help. Like we're strong, you know, driven, you know, I'm okay. Our mindset is about resilience and just getting up and, you know, being okay. But we need to be okay with not being okay and asking for help and having some help with that transition. But I do know that there are some really great programs out there that help athletes transition now just because it was becoming quite a problem, I think, for many athletes There's obviously a lot of programs that you've mentioned that are out there now. Do you think there's a potential for more focused types of of pathways? So some of the players we've spoken to in the past, they're very much into sports-related careers. Others have have spoken about wanting to get more into business. You've obviously transitioned into both. Yeah. Do you think that there's a potential for being able to do both or having more targeted transition programs? Oh, absolutely. Because even for me to really find my way and start personal training, it took me about three years to actually get there. Did a few different things. Like I have to say, it wasn't easy. And I think that if I had a mentor or I had someone who I could talk to to say, you know, what are you actually interested in? What do you like? Because you won't have basketball forever. You know, like I know my parents would say that to me, but you're not listening to your parents. So I think definitely that it could really help the athletes transition by having something that's more targeted and more focused. And, you know, I think they say that a lot of athletes really transition well into being entrepreneurs. If they don't know how to, or they don't think that they can, then they're not going to do it. I most definitely think it could be really helpful. You played with the Flames for four seasons and were part of that first championship team. You've got WNBL All-Star many times. How did you find being an Australian overseas playing basketball in the early days of the international engagement? Yeah, it's funny because like when I talk about it now, I think I was about 20 or 21 when I first went overseas. I went to Germany and you know, back then there was no internet 
there's no mobile phones. It was really hard because I was young and I left my family and all my friends. I think the first season I left halfway through a WNBL season to go over to Germany. At the same time, it was amazing. It was amazing for me, for my growth as a person and a player. For me, it was because I was doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional basketballer. So I was living my dream and it was incredible. And then when I came back from Germany, then I came up to Sydney and then started playing here, which, you know, was such a beautiful transition for me to continue playing as a professional. Yeah, so I was really lucky. Do you think that the international experience in those early days was different? Because if, if you look today, I mean, you played overseas with Sandy Brondello. Yeah. Um, you played with Michelle Timms as well. Now, now Timms, ended up playing in WNBA and also I think was the first Australian coach of a WNBA team. Sandy's obviously a coach as yeah. well. Do you think that those early days actually helped players like Sandy and, and Timsey and also yourself in being able to move into this coaching role because you had to go and do stuff on your own and you were more isolated away from Australia because, you know, like you said, we didn't have internet and mobile phones? Yeah, I think it's more about the individual because I'm not a basketball coach. You know, like even though it's related through fitness, my coaching is different, you know. So I think that Sandy and, you know, she's super special. Like what she's done as an individual with her basketball career as a player and now as a coach is pretty special. Like I don't think there's a lot of people like her, you know. I think she's just a super special individual and same with Timsey. I think if you're a great player, it doesn't always mean you're going to be a great coach. Yeah, And I'm sure having that, experience overseas and and doing it really tough like I know when Timsey was in Munich like her coach didn't speak English I think I don't I don't even <laughs> no one spoke English or it was very you know very broken where I was I was really lucky that where Sandy and I would play all of our players they all spoke perfect English and the coach spoke perfect English we felt like we had it easy Timsey had it pretty tough down in Munich <laughs> That can be a good thing and a bad thing, though, because then you can just go and do what you want, I think, and then you just say, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't know what you said. <laughs> I thought you said I could shoot it every time I touched it. <laughs> so let me ask you, because you touched on this, and I'm sure it's going to be interesting for the fans, and certainly I'm curious, yeah. the difference between the coaching that you do and basketball coaching, can you just sort of run us through what you see as the, the big differences? I don't coach basketball, but really it is it is quite connected because at the end of the day, it really is all about mindset. So a lot of the things that we talk about with clients is really getting a very good understanding of their relationship with food and their relationship with exercise and, you know, where is this not aligning? What are the limiting beliefs? You know, where's this not connecting? Where's the breakdown here? And how can we change it? How can we start making any changes through habits and things like that? So that's really where our focus is. And also on a day-to-day with just, just training, that's probably where the similarities are. We take people through just exercise, just through a weightlifting session or a fitness session. That's probably where the similarity is. But we do a lot of mindset work as well. To me, and I'm looking at it from the outside, that whole mindset for coaching, I think it's quite critical, particularly in, with Urban Warriors. How do you find that you approach that, that mindset and more importantly, helping your clients adjust their mindset to suit? 
Yeah, so I guess the most important thing that I find is to meet the person where they're at. So I think with basketball, it's tricky because, you know, you've got a team of these individuals and you have to understand each individual. So with our coaching, it's really about understanding where the person is is where they're starting from and then just trying to put some steps in place to help them see things from a different perspective. People don't really realize that they have a poor relationship with food until we start asking them some questions about what, how do you think about this? And then they'll start hearing that their language is really poor. Like they'll say things that are quite negative about food or about themselves. So that's where we start from and start with people's language and trying to start changing their language and then putting steps in place to sort of move forward from there. In my experience working in business where you're trying to, to put together teams to work, one of the things that, that I focus on is that whole language thing, you know, how yeah. people speak about what they do and how they do the things that they do. It's interesting that you say that because it reinforces how powerful using language the right way is to be able to adjust a mindset. Yeah, isn't it? And I think a lot of times we don't even, well, we don't even realize the language that we're using about ourselves. So for me, if I'm talking to someone who's come to me because they're struggling with, you know, with food and exercise, I can pick it up really quickly. Like I'm sure you can with your business. You can learn a lot from just having a conversation with someone just by the language that they're using. And so you get a very good indication of where they are. Do you find that with Urban Warriors, that you're challenged by the way people approach exercise. For example, you know, a lot of people are very busy. They don't have a lot of time. How do you work with them to address those issues like that? Yeah, so initially it's that starting where people are at and one of the big things that people do with exercise when they want to start, they'll go, okay, I'm motivated and that's great, but then they'll go, okay, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do this five days a week and I'm going to get up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm going to go and I'm going to exercise and they don't realize that these habits that they've already been in, it's really hard to change and they don't take into account that they're going to be really sore and they're going to be tired. So we try and set people up for success, starting we at what can you do? And it has to come from you. Where are you at? Okay, what do you think you can do? And then we gently tweak or push a little bit harder and, and then try and lift it you know, each week and just staying connected with people because, of course, life happens as well. Something might happen with, you know, business, you might have to go away, not so much now, but you might have to travel and you might miss a week or two. And so people lose their mojo. So that's where the accountability and having a coach comes in because it's like, right, you're back now. Okay, so you haven't trained for two weeks. Let's just take a step back, but let's get back into it. So it's always juggling that. I think a lot of times with general population, it's like, how do you feel? How do you want to feel? And that's what it comes down to and changing people's mindset. For a lot of women, they have this mindset, I want to be skinny or thin. They're two words that come up a lot. And we try and sort of flip that to what about being healthy and feeling confident, feeling amazing, feeling great in your skin? You know, that's what it's all about. That's the mindset we try and help people see and change their perspective. And it comes back to like we were talking about before, that language is so often here women say, oh, I just want to be skinny. And it's like skinny's not attractive. It's not like 
it might be in your eyes. I don't know, but it's not going to make you feel great. Like it's how do you feel about yourself and we want you to feel amazing and we're going to try and make you feel amazing now so when you get to where you want to be, you're just going to feel even better. Yeah. Okay. When you said that skinny and thin being the words that come up, do you think that social media and kind of like the imagery that people get bombarded with has a lot to do with that approach? 100%. Yeah. And, you know, I think the the social media, because the biggest thing that comes up with that is people comparing themselves. And that's the other thing that we hear a lot is just the comparison. You know, I want to be like this or that person. I get it to a degree, but you want to be you. It's great if it's motivating you, but I would say nine times out of 10, social media makes people feel bad about themselves, not good about themselves. I think, yeah, there's a massive issue there. We want, you know, we want to change that. We want people to feel good about it, not, oh, I could never look like that. I could never be that. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't. So all that negative where we want people to look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to aim for something like that. So a big part of what we do is self-love as well. When we first started, it was like, yes, mindset. But what we really started to see very quickly was this uh, mindset around being really, really negative and harsh on themselves. So a lot of it is changing and flipping that script and, and changing the way that women speak about themselves. Having had a career in the WNBL and overseas as well, because you have to have a positive mindset as a sports person, do you find having that positive mindset helps whenever you're confronted with difficulty or or something comes up that kind of throws the script out the window? absolutely blessed to have played basketball, then transition into the real world. You know, I didn't have any idea really what the real world was like. Basketball gave me some of my best friends that I'll have for your lifelong friends. And I feel so lucky and so blessed to have that. But the other thing was that mindset of resilience that um, never give up and persistence. Like that is everything that basketball gave me because I was surrounded by it. It's ingrained, like it's your environment is everything, right? That's how we learn and that's how we live. And so I think basketball has, you know, it gives us so much, so many life skills. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a totally unrelated question (laughs) out of all the movies you've ever seen. What's the one movie character that you most relate to? Oh, (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to say a superhero. Uh, okay, which one? No, I actually don't know. Yeah, that's tricky. That's tricky. I've got a lot running through my mind right now, and I'm like, oh, I want to say, oh, I want to say. Um, but we need more female superheroes, I think. That's what I want to say. More female superheroes. Okay, yeah. that, that works. One of the other things I wanted to find out from you, how do you think that basketball is going to be able to grow again? It's obviously gone through a bit of a slump. What would you think would be a great way to try and get people to connect with professional and particularly women's professional basketball? You know, like I have been out of the game for a really long time, but I think one of the things that worked really, really well was going to the schools and doing a lot of basketball clinics. We were out all the time in the schools, talking to kids, doing the clinics, connecting, getting out, you know, out in the public eye. I think that was really, really helpful. And I think the fact that we've got the world championships, that will really help. But, you know, I think because our grassroots programs and the pathways we have 
to reach the top level are incredible. I would imagine there's, they're probably the best in the world. And, you know, I guess it's tough because we're competing against so many other sports. I think getting back and, and connecting with the community is probably going to be the best way to get, you know, just to get bums on seats again. And like I mentioned before, once people see these incredible athletes and see the way that the girls play the game, they're going to come back for more. It's got to be steps like that, I think, as you said yeah. as well, to, to be able to start getting that connection happening with the community because, you know, it's a great game. It's a great game to watch. It's a great family sport. And one of yeah. the reasons I think that is is also a lot of behaviour that's accepted in other sports just isn't accepted in basketball. Yeah, absolutely. The days back in at the Flames and the Kings when we were playing together at the Entertainment Centre, they were just amazing family outings. Like, I still have people come up to me well it's been like grown men and women now who say when I was a kid my mum um, and dad used to take me to your games before you know before obviously they were going to watch the Kings but what happened at the start was they'd bring them earlier and then it, it became a thing because the kids would get to know us and I think because as players we were so accessible to the kids as well it made them want to come back for more you know it is that that connection with the community that is really helpful, I think. Having had the opportunity to talk to Paul Smith about his plans for the Flames and the Kings, you know, he wants to see the equality between the team so so that people coming to see the Flames as part of the package of coming to see basketball go back and draw on that but also look at it from new directions as well. Do you think yeah. that that's going to be able to also help to try and boost the game? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love his mindset. It's amazing because he's saying, come and watch the athletes play. We don't have to see them as male basketballs or female basketballs. What they are is these guys are incredible athletes. Come and watch them and be empowered. I love it. It's brilliant. I found that what he said about his plans for both teams was really exciting. One of the other things was he wants to honour the legacy of both teams as well, which I think is great because that's going to help to connect with the people that remember the teams from back in the day. Yeah. Oh, go Paul. What a legend. <laughs> he is. I love it. Yeah. I think that'll be great for both teams and the sport in general. You mentioned that you've made a lot of lifelong friends through basketball, and I've heard that from a whole lot of the players we've been lucky enough to talk to over time. Do you still keep in contact with a lot of the players that you played with, not only at the Flames, but at other teams and also in the national teams? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. And I've got my core group of friends that I do keep in contact with, you know, and I think now with social media, it does make it a lot easier to stay in contact with people. So definitely, it really it connects us for a lifetime. Well, Shelley, I'd like to say thank you for your time. It's been great talking to you. Look, we're hoping you're able to grow Urban Warriors as a business to be even more of a success than what it is. We'll always love to be able to have a chat to you again in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Paul. No worries. Thanks, Shelley. <laughs> 